Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. You can die for your country, or your people, or your family. But for a god, you should live fully and busily, every day of a long life. Welcome to Deep Dive 12, the 252nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening is courtesy of Terry Pratchett in his book Small Gods. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. I cannot believe we've done 12 of these. I know, yeah. I just keep scheduling them. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> They're great, like, spacers. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And they're fun, and I enjoy them. Anyway, yes, it's time for housekeeping. Yes, housekeeping. It's the first of the month. It's the first of the month. So we have 34 kittens. We love you, kittens. Thank you, kittens. We have 23 cats, and their names are Stephanie Danielson, Annalise Scharfenberger, Jeremy Glazenhart, Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Renee N., Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misco, Annabelle Lee, Callie Flower, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Alyssa Durka, Kelly Burt, Shakora, Rebecca Hillman, Quinn Ann ASMR, and Cindy Barrick. We love you cats. Thank you cats. We have 47 hunters, and their names are Zena White Owl Rea, Heather Doyle, Ames of Ashland, Kwasu Tanku, Dwyer, Kellen Tasber, Sarah Goff, Leanne Gee, Scout, Lisa N., Annie Ray, C.J. Kaufman, Hexa Luna, Lolly Willows, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Don Taylor, Maharet, Talia Franks, Crimson Ryan, Druidic Cart, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rhiannon M. Gray, La Petite Poisson, Loriana Lee Knapp, Maddie Kuhns, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Roshala and Dasveed, David Dashifan Keys, Chris Colibri, Sky Bierce, Sarenth Odinson, Whispers of the Grove, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Dahlia Darge, Jessica Jones, and Charles Howison. We love you, Hunters. Thank you, Hunters. We have seven tigers, and their names are Yuki Quinn, M.B. Strang, Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love our tigers. Thank you, tigers. We have five leopards, and their names are Michaela Belpersh, Jody Cozy, Luna, Eleanor Faithful, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. Thank you, leopards. And we have three... Jaguars. And their names are Silver Wolf Arrow, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you. Jaguars. And that is all of our patrons. And let me just say, I know we say this every time, we say mm-hmm. it every week, we say it every month, but truly, 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 thank you to all of our patrons. You do not know how very much you help us by your support. And by just your constancy, mm-hmm. you know, just sticking with us through thick and thin, it really, really, really means so much to us. Yeah. It's a huge help. It is. It, I, I just can't even express how much we appreciate it. And so thank you for your dedication to this podcast. And we are doing our very best to honor that. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, thank you to all our listeners. Yes. Because you listen. And I think I've mentioned this a couple of times recently, but it's coming up towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And that means I need to start scheduling new episodes for next year. So if there are any topics that you want us to cover, either that we haven't covered before or that you want us to revisit, go ahead and visit the Discord at the episode suggestions channel and drop your suggestions in there. Or if you're not on Discord, you can email me at ode at the number three pagansonacat.com. That's right. Already, already. I believe we are house kept and house swept. Hooray. Huzzah. <laughs> okay. So, Gwen, I believe you have two gods to talk about. I do. And I have three. So, I should go first, probably. Yes, you shall. Okay. I have two Etruscan deities Ooh. and a Welsh deity. Ooh. I'm going to start with the Welsh one because he's very. I have very little information on him. I was not able to find a whole lot. But, so this is a Mathon who is, like I said, a Welsh deity. His name means laborer or plowman. Oh. And he is a god of agriculture. Well, that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes called literally just god of farming because his one, like, big story Mm -hmm. is in... It's one of those classic stories about, like, a guy wants to marry... A princess, but the king says he has to perform these impossible tasks. Because, of course, they do. So he goes around trying to perform these impossible tasks, except in Welsh mythology, the way you do that is you find the one guy in the world whose whole deal is doing that specific (laughs) thing, and you convince him to do it for you. The, The thing he needs to do, one of the tasks he needs to do, is clear this field in one day. Ooh. And it's like an impossible task. Like, just there's just too much... There's rocks in the soil and stubs, and stubs and trees. yeah, like stumps and all kinds of shit. And he, it, it's impossible for one man to do in one day. Mm-hmm. But he goes and finds Amethion, who is one of the children of Don, um, and asks Amethion to do it. And because Amethion is the god of farming, he easily tills this field in one day and declines the hand of the princess and is like, no, no, give it to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. I love the fact that he was just like, sure, I'll do this for you. Why not? Why not? His other story is that on one occasion, he steals some animals from the king of the underworld. Why? I'm clear. (laughs) Maybe just as a, because he can, as a challenge. Maybe he needs them for something. Well, it's a. Are they farming animals? No, distinctly not. (laughs) They are distinctly not farming animals. There's There's a white dog. There's a lapwing, which is a kind of bird, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and then well, I and then I think there is a um, there's a stag or something. Well, a white dog just... could be useful in farming. <laughs> it can be useful in um, herding, not so much in farming. <laughs> Depends on what you're farming. He's specifically farming fields, so I don't think this is of use to him. <laughs> a good digger? Yeah, I don't know. So he just he just takes these he just steals these magic animals okay. from. Are on the uh, the king of the underworld and starts a war between the underworld and him and his siblings. Maybe he just had a wild hair and thought, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, just just decided to do a little light theft. I'm sick of farming. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why he specifically <laughs> does this, but he just decides yeah. he's gonna steal these animals Time and to start a, start start, start a whole a drama. <laughs> start a whole drama with Aron, but they win. So it it ends up being called the Battle of the Trees because one of his brothers turns the trees into soldiers to fight for them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know, when you are a farming deity and that's pretty much all you do, you got to make your own fun. Yeah, Elle says, I love farming. No reward necessary. <laughs> yeah, that does seem to have been his vibe in yeah. the uh, the the impossible task story. Just yeah. like, yeah, I absolutely will absolutely. farm this field for you. Why not? <laughs> I can help you. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so, But that was all I could find about him. There's not, he just seems to show up in these two places, hmm. these medieval Welsh poems, and then otherwise there's not a whole lot about him. Okay. Okay. Well, I decided to go with Greek deities. Like you do. But uh, Greek deities that are maybe a little less known, lesser mm-hmm. known deities. So that means there's not a whole lot necessarily. That's often the way. Yep. Only one of them there's, there's more information about than the other. Um, the first one that I'm going to talk about, though, is Kioni. Although, if you look at it, you'd probably pronounce it Kioni mm-hmm. or Kion. Spell, spell it. It's spelled K-H-I-O-N-E. Okay. And uh, if you are a fan of the Arrowverse, you probably saw a character that was named for this deity. All right. Um, I'm not, so I have no idea. Because she is a Greek, the Greek goddess of snow. Ooh. She is the daughter of Boreas, god of the north wind, storms, and winter. Her mother was Orithia, who was an Athenian princess who was uh, made with child by mm. Boreas, mm. and uh, who she birthed uh, twin sons and two daughters, and one of them was Kione. Okay. Is essentially, she's often considered, she's considered a nymph, but she is also the goddess of snow. She, her domain is Mount Hamos. She is the sister of Cleopatra. <laughs> and she has two. How did that happen? And it's a different Cleopatra. Oh, I okay. I don't think it's the Cleopatra, but a different Cleopatra. Different, different, different mm-hmm. Cleo. And the Boreads, Calais and Zetis, are her older brothers. Okay. It depends on the mythology. There is some mythology that puts her together with Pan. Okay. The majority of the mythology about her has her as a lover to Poseidon. That makes more sense with the snow. Yeah. And in fact, uh, it was kind of, at least apparently from her perspective, a forbidden love um, because she sneaks around with Mm. Poseidon. And according to everything I've read, it it wasn't like he snatched her and, you know, some of these other things. They were, you know, they were lovers. They chose to be together, but didn't want Boreas to find out about Mm -hmm. it or she didn't want Boreas to know because uh, she didn't want her daddy to find out. She didn't want her daddy to find out. Interesting. So she kind of snuck around with Poseidon Mm -hmm. and uh, like can happen, she ends up with child. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Because she did not want Papa to know that she was having, you know, Poseidon's affair. (laughs) Yeah, this affair. She somehow managed to hide her pregnancy and then once the child was born, in an effort to hide the evidence, right? she tossed him into the sea. Well, I guess that sends him back to his dad. That, that is essentially <laughs> what happened. Essentially, Poseidon rescued just, the yeah, child. Yeah, just the child into the sea. <laughs> whipped the child into trust the sea. Trust Poseidon will catch him. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, so Poseidon did uh, rescue the child and sent him to live with one of his daughters who okay. raised the child. And um, he was called... Umopus. Okay. Well, at least there was a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> so he did live. Uh, Poseidon had one of his own daughters uh-huh. take care of him. And uh, it's not said whether or not Boreas found out about <laughs> their or, love. Or if Keone's scheme worked. Yeah, or if the scheme worked. <laughs> or if they even continued to see each other afterward. Because right. according to everything, 
it was a mutual love affair. It Mm -hmm. wasn't one-sided or anything. So who knows? (laughs) And then there are some that uh, put her together with Pan. Right, you mentioned that. Yeah, that she had kind of an infatuation with Pan. But um, maybe both. Maybe she had. I mean, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really say that Pan ever really, you know, got together with her or had the similar feelings. Elle says tossing your baby in the ocean has a way of souring relationships. That's true. That could That's be true. That Poseidon was like, all right, we're done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. And then as far as uh, what she does um, over, you know, for the snow, being mm-hmm. a goddess of snow, uh, she has control over ice and snow and hail. So that's probably from the North Wind thing. Yeah, from the North Wind. Makes sense. But yeah, the biggest story with her is tossing Poseidon's tossing the, tossing baby, the baby in the sea. into the sea to prevent right Boreas and like yeah okay from finding out about him. Like that's sure that's Poseidon's domain, but I mean, I mean, it's one baby in a big ocean. Yeah, that was definitely taking a risk. It was. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, that is... So, yeah, is... maybe maybe her affair with Poseidon was broken up and she started pursuing Pan afterwards. Could be. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> so, but there you go. That That is everything I could find about Hione. All right. <laughs> I'm not even sure how I feel about her. <laughs> I know. Well, think about the story of the Ice Queen. You know, I mean, she is the, she's a goddess of snow. Maybe she just had kind of a cold heart. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, then you think no, about... No, because she's... I mean, she has these romantic affairs. Well, she's, that's true. It's just specifically the baby she didn't want. <laughs> but we cannot forget that Hera, who birthed uh, Hephaestus on her own without Zeus, yeah. then... Did also did with also him down to earth. With so. him down to earth. Yeah. That was, that's just yeah. kind of a thing. Not a motherly kind of lady. No. So uh, maybe Fiona is the same way. She just isn't very motherly. She doesn't have a maternal vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, she was just scared of her father. Right. Right. (laughs) Which, you know. Boris, if I remember correctly, is one of the asshole vibes. Yeah, Yeah. he does. He's kind of a, he's not a very nice deity. So. Of course, I think there it was a different one who was like, I'm just going to kill this kid we're all in love with. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, one yeah. of his brothers, yeah, I think. Yeah, So I guess the, all, the, all the winds all are the like winds that. All the winds are a little bit... A little temperamental. A uh, little temperamental. Yeah. A little rough mm-hmm. around the edges. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, I have an Etruscan deity mm, to talk about. Yeah. So this is Veyovis. The name is thought to possibly be related to... Jove or Jupiter. So he is usually presented as a young man holding a bunch of arrows or a pilum, which is a kind of Roman javelin, mm-hmm. um, or lightning bolts. And the lightning bolts is sort of another connection to Jupiter, possibly. He is usually seen accompanied by a goat, specifically a she-goat. Mm. Exactly what his whole deal is isn't super clear. So it, the Etruscan deities... Because it's pre-Roman. Yeah, well, it's pre Italy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's way back in the way back. Way back in the way um, back. Most of what we know about Veovis is written about a thousand years later in the second century CE mm. by a Roman author. Okay. So like probably from oral traditions. Yeah. So like so he's he's old. He an old guy. He an old, old guy. But he looks like a young, young man. But so exactly what his deal is is unclear because we have these this limited resource. And like I said, most of this comes from an author named Aulus Gellius. Okay. Who was writing in... Gotta love Roman names. Yeah. Who was, who was writing in the second century CE. And like I said, that was about a thousand years after Veiovis had his heyday. Okay. But he was... He's 
Mentioned as, as being a god associated with healing. He was later associated with Asclepius. Okay. As well as the association to Jupiter through his name. Mm-hmm. Aulus Gellius, this author we get most of our information from, speculates that he was sort of an anti-Jove. Mm-hmm. That he was like the reverse of Jupiter or the mirror image of Jupiter. Okay. Um, or of the Etruscan Jupiter. The Etruscans actually had like nine thunder and lightning deities for whatever reason. They had like a bunch. They, of, they liked of, their lightning and thunder. Of thunder and lightning deities. Um, or they didn't and they just, you yeah. know. The reason that Aulus Gellius thinks that this is like a mirror image of Jupiter is that the Ve in Veiovis can sometimes, it, it can be interpreted in various ways. It could mean like little Jupiter, like mm-hmm. Jupiter diminutive, okay. or it could mean like sinister Jupiter hmm. or opposite Jupiter, okay. anti-Jupiter. So Veovis could mean anything from little Jovis to sinister Jovis hmm. to anti-Jovis. Right, right. So this could be like an aspect of the Etruscan Jupiter, or it could be the the sort of theory that, that tends to predominate now mm-hmm. is that he was like a chthonic equivalent to the, the Jove character. Okay, okay. Associated as a god of healing and the rituals we know about him mostly have to do with averting plagues. So there was a sacrifice, again, described a thousand years later by Aulus Gellius, of sacrificing a she-goat, or sometimes many goats, mm-hmm. to avert a plague. And it's described in a way that could mean either in the manner of human sacrifice or by burial. So that, again, adds to sort of the chthonic elements of Veovis that mirror image underworld quality mm-hmm. where sacrifices to him have to go underground and could possibly stand in for in some way human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Also interesting that he's also, he's always shown with a goat and a goat is what is sacrificed to him. Mm-hmm. He had festivals supposedly on January 1st, March 7th and May 21st, but we don't know what happened at any of those festivals. Mm-hmm. We don't know if these sacrifices happened at these festivals or if other things happened at these festivals. He was also sometimes invoked by later by Romans for war purposes um, because he was in some ways associated with specifically the eruption of volcanoes. Okay. And there's a, there's a specific instance where like uh, a Roman senator is railing against Carthage like they always fucking were and mentions Dispater and Veovis in the same breath basically says Dispater, Veovis or whatever other names are appropriate for you. I call your wrath on Carthage basically. So the Romans were associating Veovis with Dispater is an underworld deity similar to Hades. Mm -hmm. So that gives Veovis another underworld quality, right? Mm -hmm. But then, in the completely opposite direction, falling more under the little Jupiter or diminutive Jovis Mm -hmm. interpretation, there's a dedication in uh, an old Latin town from the Genulia, which is the family or the clan of Julius Caesar and later Augustus and the Julii were the clan, the family, the gens where the Julius comes from in Julius Caesar, right? Mm -hmm. And they had a dedication to Veovis, which they did under, quote, Alban law, Mm -hmm. dedicated under Alban law, which is a reference to Alba Longa, which is a semi-mythical precursor 
to ancient Rome, where mm-hmm. Romulus and Remus were thought to have been right. descended from the rulers of Alba. Right, gotcha. But Alban law doesn't have any, like, pretext in history. So, like, we don't know what that means exactly, if it means anything specific mm-hmm. uh, or, or whatever. But it's thought that the Genjulii were dedicating this altar space mm-hmm. and possibly starting a festival in this town to um, Veovis as little Jupiter, mm-hmm. as a, a associating Veovis with their mythical founder, um, Ascanius, who was renamed Iulus, who became the head of the Iulii family, mm-hmm. because he claimed to be a descendant of Jupiter. So we've got these sort of two dueling Veovis perceptions mm-hmm. across various periods of ancient Rome. All of them talking about an Etruscan deity that we know very little about his actual Etruscan character. So, lots of interesting things about, uh, lots of, like, interesting tidbits about Veovis. Very few, like, firm, confirmed facts Mm -hmm. about Veovis. But very interesting character, I think. Sounds like it. That's, I think, really all I have about Veovis that is, like, that is comprehensive. Okay. What's interesting about Veovis is there is a lot more information about him than there is about some of the other, like, obscure deities I've brought up. Like, even, like, Amatheon Mm -hmm. um, only has those, you know, like, two passing mentions in a couple of poems. There's a lot more about Veovis. It just doesn't, like, congeal into a whole picture. Mm -hmm. So, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Do you believe in the power of the sacred fire? Join us on Around Grandfather Fire, a podcast where we discuss spirituality, mythology, animism, and culture around a digital fire. We'll be talking about witchcraft, paganism, heathenry, and all the other forms of spiritual expression that you can imagine. If you love hearing about how people practice their faith, how they use it to connect with others and to make sense of the world around them, and if you like to laugh while doing it, then this is the podcast for you. You can listen to Around Grandfather Fire on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Okay, so the the other deity that I chose to talk mm-hmm. about today is Ariadne of uh, Ariadne's Thread fame. Yes. She was a, a princess of Crete. She was the daughter of King Minos. And uh, there's lots of different variations on Ariadne's myth, actually. So depending on which version you hear, all of the you know basics are similar or the same, but yet there there can be a different reason for right. why a it's happening. A different mm-hmm. vibe. A different vibe. But she does start out life as a mortal, as the daughter of King Minos, and uh, she was in charge of the labyrinth where sacrifices were made as a part of reparations basically either to poseidon or athena depending on the version of the mythology that you're listening to or reading but she's most famous really for being the the person who helped theseus conquer the minotaur right and she did that basically by giving him thread (laughs) and a sword Mm -hmm. and um it again it depends on on which version but the the thought is that you know every one, seven, and nine years, depending on the source, mm-hmm. uh, sacri- a sacrificial party was sent into mm-hmm. the labyrinth. And the year that Theseus was one of the party mm-hmm. that was being sent in, she apparently saw him and was like, 
love at first sight kind of thing. She or or at least love it for, you know, lust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she, you know, and so she gave him the thread so that he would be able to find his way back out. Right of the labyrinth after killing the Minotaur. But this was, of course, a betrayal to her father and her country because she fell in love with Theseus. Um, She broke the rules. She broke the rules. Well, she was in charge of the whole damn thing, and she broke the rules for him because she fell in love with him. She ended up eloping with Theseus after he killed the Minotaur. According to Homer and uh, some of the other versions, Theseus didn't return those feelings. Mm. You know, he he basically, uh, he was like, thanks for the sword. Thanks for the thread. And depending on uh, which saga you're reading, he either uh, either Perseus mortally wounds her and Theseus abandons her on Naxos or she's fallen asleep on Naxos and And he just leaves her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But regardless, and in some stories, Dionysus has come to Theseus and said, hey, I've chosen this lady to be my wife. Mm-hmm. You need to leave. Right. And get, so, get out of here. So he thus abandons her mm-hmm. yeah. for, for Dionysus. And uh, interestingly, though, Dionysus does claim her mm-hmm. as his wife. She has many, many children. Right. Like 11 of Dionysus's children. But she um, she remains totally faithful to him mm-hmm. throughout their their life together and uh, ultimately he takes her to mount olympus along with his mother where they both become deities they become deified and um to honor her he puts her wedding crown up into the sky uh, which becomes the corona borealis as a constellation uh to honor her so yeah apparently the the whole the the whole thread minotaur thing was really a footnote in her life it really was (laughs) And it's funny because it's it's the one story that is uh-huh, like, yeah. it's sold multiple times yeah. in multiple different ways by different authors. Poetry. But it was like a youthful folly. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it was like she fell in love with this guy. Who did not care about who her. Who did not care about her. He just basically was like, hey, you know, I've got a way to escape being killed mm-hmm. by this weird creature. And yeah, sure, I'll take you with me. Okay, now I'm going to leave you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 so it, it really depends on on which version you read, but well, no, it really doesn't. Like, no, I, as far as the reason why Theseus left. Oh her. yeah, but ultimately, but ultimately, ultimately, he leaves her. The the answer is he doesn't care about her that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the consensus of most of these. Yeah. of these that he abandoned like, like her even, one way or the other. Yeah, like even even the one where Dionysus is like, hey, I want her to marry me. Yeah, it like it's not like Theseus fights for her. Nope. So really, it doesn't ma- even matter which version you read. Regardless, yeah, regardless. Theseus just doesn't care about her that no, much. No, no, he really doesn't. <laughs> it's funny because it's you know, you know they make this this big deal about uh, how uh, she Rannan, him. Rannan says Theseus was a piece of shit overall, regardless. So it was probably for the best that she got with Dionysus anyway. Yeah. And Elle says, Dionysus swoops in like, girl, you can do better like me. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. He's right. And he, you know, he loved her. Uh He honored her throughout their their life together. Brought her up to Mount Olympus with him. Exactly. And uh, honored her in the stars. And she remained. Listen, that's better than a lot of lovers of gods get. Exactly. And she remained devoted to him. Yeah. And many of their children became famous heroes. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, I guess it worked out for her. In the end. Yeah. In the end. Youthful folly. Youthful folly. And then met her true divine husband. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That might be the first, like, 
happy ending we've had from a Greek story. Right? <laughs> and we're, like, Dionysus didn't kidnap no. her. He didn't, you know, he just, he fell in love with her uh-huh. and either said, Theseus, get out of here, uh-huh. or... Or, or just, just came upon came her. Came upon her and said, I'm so sorry. Abandoned. Yeah. Yes, and was, was like. an asshole. Uh-huh. Let, me, let me take you away let from me, this Let me craziness. be your permanent rebound. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whatever it was, uh-huh. it worked. You know, she is obviously associated with the thread. Right. Uh, with bulls. Right. Because of the Minotaur and labyrinths. Right. And uh, in fact, if you'll remember, the very first book I read yeah, uh, was thread. Ariadne's Thread. Yep. And uh, it had. A lot to do with Ariadne herself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of like Ariadne. That's why when I, yeah. I saw her, I was like, you know, she she deserves. A, she gets a good. En- she I gets think, a happy ending for she once. Gets a happy ending. And I think you got to go a little further. Like I think because people stop it, like and then she's abandoned by Theseus, and yeah, so it feels yeah. like the same sort of like bad ending that everyone yeah. seems to get in the Greekness. But no, it continues. No, no. It <laughs> continues thanks to Dionysus, uh-huh. which is a surprise. If you I think know. about it. Dionysus is a pretty good dude. Well, yeah, he's a very good dude, but he's also a party god. So you wouldn't think of him as, like, this guy who would fall in love with this this one mortal woman and, like, that's his woman. You yeah, know? but I, that's think, his wife. I think Dionysus' mother is also a mortal. Yeah, she is. That's like, why he, he yeah. took both of them to marry. Yeah, like, this. Dionysus just Semily. has, like, Semily yeah, is yeah. His mother. Like, Dionysus just has better vibes with mortals. But I he think does. because he has this mortal mother, maybe. Yeah, like, he's yeah. closer to mortals. Yeah. So, so yeah. Dionysus is the cool god. Yeah, he, he can absolutely. stay. <laughs> he can stay. Absolutely. Yeah, he's very cool. He's apparently very devoted to his wife. Mm-hmm. And she was very devoted to him. And it had an actual happy marriage. It actually was a happy marriage, <laughs> and it was really kind of sweet overall. Uh-huh, yeah. After the sadness with Theseus. Right, yeah. Broken heart. He was her... Happy life. He was her her high school mistake. <laughs> Theseus, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then in college, Betra- she met her, her actual... <laughs> betrays her dad uh-huh. for the bad boy uh-huh. who's not worth it. He's not worth it. Yep. <laughs> but yep. finds true love with the guy who rescues her yep. from the fucking island. Who, who looks like a pothead, but actually has, like, the person personality that's right that's right absolutely <laughs> so there you go that is the story some, of ariadne some, some make a modern retelling of that yeah right <laughs> but it really is interesting because there's so many retellings of this story uh-huh, yeah. so many and it really does kind of focus on theseus and, yeah. and ariadne when really it should be like you know there's a happy ending let's uh-huh, focus more yeah. on that yeah we don't have to stop at the point where she gets abandoned we can yeah. carry on anyway so there you go well, I'm glad to know Ariadne had a good ending to her story. See, not all Greek, not all <laughs> Greek love stories or, or are, are stories horrible. about yeah. men and, or uh, deities and, and, and women, women are mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, every now and again. Every now and again, you, you get a Dionysus. Into, every now and then, you get a Dionysus. That's right. They're not all Zeus. That's right. That's right. How refreshing! <laughs> all right. Uh, so I have one more uh, deity, another Etruscan deity. This one is Suri. Ooh. Which is usually romanized as Soranus. Okay. But Suri is cognate to the proto the same Proto-Indo-European root that is in the name Surtur, mm-hmm. which is a Norse figure. Mm-hmm. Surtur is the fire Jotun, also in Iceland associated with volcanoes. Not because they wouldn't probably have associated him within vo- with volcanoes everywhere else, but because they literally didn't have volcanoes anywhere else in Scandinavia. <laughs> they, they didn't discover volcanoes until they got to Iceland. World's weird like that. Yeah. There's not actually, there's like a, not an old Norse word for volcano because they just didn't have those until they got to Iceland. Yeah. But so Surtur is associated with those things. Um, but the name means, the root means black. So both Surtur and Suri have names that mean black. 
interesting. Yeah. And so another thing that's interesting about Suri and Surtur, another interesting connection here is that Suri is a god of volcanoes, fire, the underworld, volcanic lightning, specifically, and, quote, the chthonic sun and chthonic light. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Huh. Which I was fascinated by. Yeah. So, like, the underworld edition of the sun and the underworld edition of light. The underworld light. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I was really intrigued by that. That is intriguing. Like I said, there were a bunch of Etruscan thunder gods. Mm -hmm. Suri is considered one of them because he's associated with volcanic lightning specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also sometimes associated, interestingly enough, with Veiovis, the other Etruscan Mm -hmm. god I talked about. Sometimes they're thought to maybe be, like, different expressions of the same Mm -hmm. being. Mm Mm-hmm. But Suri is, uh, and another reason is because Suri is also associated with with goats occasionally, but is much more associated with wolves. In fact, his priesthood were called the Wolves of Soranus. Ooh. You know, I just had a thought. What? Maybe the under, you know, the connection with light. Yeah, the the chthonic sun. The chthonic sun. Is because of the the magma. Oh, that could be. Yeah, because like. It's glowing from a volcano when it's not erupting. Yeah, that could very much be. Yeah. kind of see a glow yeah. as it's spitting out the top. Yeah, that's true. That could be. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, but so yeah, the, the associated specifically with the volcanoes and, and the underworld oh. and fire and that kind of thing, but then with the chthonic sun. The chthonic sun which, and then wolves. And wolves, yeah. And volcanic lightning, which uh, if you don't know what volcanic lightning is, it's uh, it's when an electric discharge is caused by the is caused by the eruption of a volcano. Mm-hmm. It's a very impressive thing to see. Mm. But so his his priesthood were called the wolves of Soranus mm-hmm. or the wolves of Suri. But we're talking about the Romans are right. reporting this, so they were called the Ro- Sur- the wolves Soranus. of Soranus. And they were fire walkers. Ooh. So they would do, they would walk on, on hot, hot coals and things like that. Yeah. Um, that and, makes sense, though, when you think about yeah. it. And they were known to be um, very skilled ornithomantists. Okay. So they were skilled with the divination by the flights of birds, mm-hmm. which if you think back, way back to our Millions earliest of years ago. divination episode, uh, we talked about the history of divination. The Etruscans did some of the the earliest, yes. like formalized divination. You should check out our early history yeah. of divination. It's actually pretty interesting, yeah. I think. But so the the priests of Surrey were yeah. heavily involved in this specific kind of divination, divination yeah. by the flights of birds. Yeah, and they, like I said, they did this fire walking. And there's actually a, a, a comment that they would walk on burning logs during certain festivals and any of the wolves of Soranus who could demonstrate that they had this ability would be exempted from military service. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you learned to walk on, uh-huh. on coals yeah. and, and burning logs real quick. Yeah, like the basically the 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 people who were, you know, the magistrates would, would observe them walking on the logs and be like, oh, we don't want that man in the army. <laughs> mm. You stay here. You stay um, here. Supposedly they were called the wolves of Saranus and he was associated with wolves because there was an incident where a wolf like ran off with a sacrifice into a cave that led into a volcano. Oh. And so they thought maybe it was bringing the sacrifice to Yeah, him? well, so it this wolf stole a sacrifice. Okay. to another god and oh. ran into this okay. this, this cave. Um, volcanic cave and the shepherds chased 
trying to, you know, grab back the sheep for the sacrifice and were stricken down by the fumes yeah. from the volcano. Mm-hmm. And supposedly this like set off a plague. Okay. And like this, the sickness that had from the fumes that had afflicted the shepherds started afflicting people who were nowhere near the volcano, who were just mm-hmm. like from the area. Probably traveled on the air. Yeah. The miasmas. The miasmas. Um, <laughs> but so it was making people sick. And so they consulted with a, a fortune teller. Like you do. Yeah. A, a, a diviner, an oracle. And they were like, hey, how do we stop this plague that happened when a wolf stole one of our sacrifices and took it into a volcano and the oracle you know did some readings and was like okay well suri wanted that sacrifice and he will and he's mad that you tried to take it back and so he won't lift this plague until some of your people dedicate themselves to acting like wolves interesting Um, which was understood to mean basically like be bandits okay be outlaws behave badly do crimes (laughs) suri was like give me a crime priesthood okay and i will lift the plague and that was the foundation of the wolves of serana interesting yeah oh my god Be wolf do crime says. Where do I sign up? Says Finn. (laughs) Be wolf do crime. That is the motto of the wolves of Serranus, which I guess makes sense because Suri literally got this offering by theft. So hey, yep. But the only other. like I said, Suri was sometimes associated with um, Veovis and uh, had various other names in various parts of ancient Italy, basically. Mm-hmm. But in the Etruscan concept of Suri, uh, which was sort of the predominant one, mm-hmm. he was also partnered with a lunar or solar deity, unclear, hmm. whose name was Katha. Hmm. And she is maybe associated with childbirth, maybe, maybe not. And there is ongoing academic debate about whether she is a solar deity, like normal sun, and he was the Chthonic sun, mm-hmm. or if she is a lunar deity, and maybe a Chthonic lunar to his Chthonic solar. Hmm. Unclear. She's described sometimes as being uh, the daughter of the sun, which could kind of go either way. Could mean that she's a solar deity, or could it could be, be a moon a thing. A moon thing. But, hard to say. Yeah, hard to say. There are some other lunar deities who are sometimes described as being children of the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, that's a trend in mythology. But she shares his cult in a lot of places. So they have um, a very intertwined worship okay. complex. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I was really... I, I Suri was um, very fun. And that was all I could find about him. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, he's an Etruscan deity primarily. Ancient. So most of his worship was pre- Roman, like it, it was known of, of by Romans, and they were sort of recording it as their history. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was probably act- handed down. Exactly, it tales. wasn't. It was not actively widespread yeah. practiced in right. ancient Rome. So a lot of what we have is Roman memory yeah. of yeah. these Etruscan stories. Uh, your your great granny and yeah, you know, we tell you used about to tell, we'll tell you about the wolves of Serranus. <laughs> Bandit priests. The bandit who could walk priests. on fire. That's right. And that would be pretty impressive. And yeah. a little scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. And that's, uh, by the way, another reason you probably didn't want them in the army. Yeah. You couldn't trust them. They're, yeah, exactly. Their their whole deal is be wolf, do crime. So. <laughs> and walk on fire. And walk on fire. So, yeah. You let them read the birds and then you just keep them out of your business as much as possible. <laughs> but, so that's that's what I have I like about it. Surrey. And like I said, he's he's... Very, 
I, I'm still obsessed with the Chthonic Sun thing, and I yeah, just, I st- I think it has to be connected to the, the lava. Yeah, the the glow, the glow from the yeah. lava. Because I did um, get to see an active volcano. Um, it wasn't erupting, right? But that but was when you were in, in uh, uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, when I was in Costa Rica, we went to um, a town, uh, La Fortuna, that um, was at the base of a, an active volcano, mm-hmm. and you could see the glow. Yeah. Even through the clouds, you could see the glow of in, in yeah. of the of the magma of the magma at the top, and of course smell the sulfur uh-huh. throughout the city. And uh, so, yeah, I can imagine where they're thinking, "Oh, this is, goes this, down into right? the underworld." Exactly. This is not the sky sun. This is the, the earth, earth sun. sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah it totally. I could see how how yeah. the ancient Etruscans might have come up with that concept, and it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Because usually when you think of the underworld, you think of torchbearers like Hakati. Yeah, who, you know, someone who, who brings who fire, brings into, the fire into the underworld. Whereas brings Suri's, light. Suri's deal is like, I am the I light am in the, the underworld. Light of the underworld. <laughs> I think that's cool. Yeah, I love it. I do too. That's very and cool. And clearly heavily associated with the volcanoes thing. Yeah, so. yeah. I might need to find out more about him. Yeah, Suri. Very interesting. Very dude. interesting. So, All right, but that's all I have. I like for it. For various deities. Same All right, then we are going to call this one done. Uh, A little shorter than usual, but that's okay. We've gone long lately a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can find us online if you search in the search of your choice, the number three and the words Pagans and a Cat, or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. You can also find us online at the number three, pagansandacat.com, where you can find links to the things we do, including our Patreon which we just read all the names from, mm-hmm. where you can help support us. And you can also support us if you so choose on ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash the number three pagans and a cat. Also on our website, you can find links to Gwyn's Patheos Pagan blog, where she mm-hmm. blogs twice a month. And you won't find a link there, but you can also find her on TikTok, where she's currently doing a little series on basic spellcraft. That's right. And then if you are at all interested, both Ode and I offer tarot readings online. Oh, yeah. Through, through email. Yep. I do also, email readings. I also do uh, email readings through uh, Facebook Live and... Yeah, I don't. You know, don't try to contact me on Facebook. I'm never there. That kind of stuff. Uh, Zoom. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, we both do uh, readings yeah, for people. tarot readings. Tarot readings. So you can contact me at Gwyn at threepagansandacat.com. Mm-hmm. You can contact Ode at Ode at threepagansandacat.com. If you're interested. Again, if you have any interesting ideas for episodes that you would like to hear, uh, go ahead and drop those in the Discord for me because I will start scheduling the next year's episodes very soon. That's right. All right. Goodbye. Have a good week.